rugby field to the rotary shed, it's the Country Sport Breakfast with Brian Kelly on Gold Sport. It's business time. With our business friendly man, Phil O'Reilly from uh, from Iron Duke Partners. Morning, Phil. Morning, BK. Uh, a bit to talk about, really, only a week or so out from the elections, but uh, business confidence at the moment finally moving upwards. What's causing that? Yeah, very interesting. This. Uh, remember Jacinda Ardern, when she first became Prime Minister, talked about business confidence being a bit low, and uh, they accused the business community of, of having sort of political business confidence. Remember that? They said, uh, yeah. oh, you know, it's only because you're not confident in us. And I there's always a bit of truth to that. I mean, businesses are more confident if they've got a government they feel as though delivers for them, if you like. And and I think we're seeing a bit of that here. I actually think uh, some of that increase in confidence is not actually objective. There's nothing objectively going on in the economy that means business confidence would go north by very much. Uh, but I think actually what you may be finding is that um, businesses are more confident because they think there might be a change of government in a few mm-hmm. weeks' time and uh, a feeling as though things might get a bit better for them. So... You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that business confidence number is, as Jacinda Ardern said all those years ago, uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit political. So if that's the case, well, let's. Um, if, and if the government does change, then let's hope that confidence turns into investment and employment intentions, because that's actually what you want to do. And talking about employment reports uh, in, in the public sector, the workforce grew by six point two percent last year, double the rest of the workforce. So where are they all going, Phil? Well, that's interesting, isn't it? So that the public service is rising, the employment there is rising at twice the rate of the overall workforce in New Zealand, still in the middle of, of, of you know, tough economic times. Yeah. Now, some of that's justifiable because some of it's about um, uh, employment of uh, people for the election. Uh, some of that's you know, about people who go out and knock on the doors and you know, count right. their votes and so on. So some of that's reasonable. But it does demonstrate that there's still this culture of feather bedding in the, in the public service. Now, it's very important, I think, for your listeners to understand, certainly as one who works for the public service every day, not all of them are lazy, sort of feckless bureaucrats. You know, some of them certainly are, of course, because it's the case in any big bureaucracy. So if a new government is elected and, and if that government says, well, we've got to sort out the public sector, it'll be important not to demonise them. And I think it's important for us all not to do that. What's going on is some employment practices and some sort of feather bedding that I think is unsustainable. But it's important that we go through and say, what's, what's good about the public service and how can we actually help them succeed and make sure that New Zealand succeeds rather than saying, you're all useless and we should just mm. cut you in half. It's, that's not going to be helpful as a result. But it does demonstrate, I think, that number, just what a job is ahead of an incoming government to say, let's, let's rein back the size of the public sector and let's make sure that we can deliver more money back to working families instead. And the other one I want to touch on, uh, slow China growth. Back in the news this week, and it's affecting Asian economies and our primary sector. So what's the outlook, do you think, there? Yeah, there's very interesting stuff that you're seeing. In fact, uh, the IMF, I think, or the World Bank came out with some numbers in the last week or so, which said that growth in Southeast Asia, uh, is in some of those are our key markets and some of those are the markets we're wanting to grow, is also now being impacted by the slow Chinese growth, because, of course, those Southeast Asian economies are very reliant on China as well, just like we are for all sorts of things. They're very linked together, those economies. Uh, and I'm interested to see that the, uh, the the red meat sector took a visit into China the other day and came back talking about an issue that relates to dairy as well, and that is huge amounts of inventory sitting in China. So they've, they've ordered a lot of red meat and milk and so on, and it's all sitting in store because their own population isn't consuming it as much as they might have hoped. 
Now, it's going to take a while for that to wind out, but I note that both the dairy and the red meat sectors are saying that the, 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 the more longer-term outlook, if you think 12 months out, is looking at more rosy because eventually, of course, they'll get through that mountain of red meat and dairy that they've got stockpiled, and they'll start purchasing and consuming again. And I'm, and I'm certainly seeing more Chinese people out and about around the world and around New Zealand, hopefully, as we come into the tourist season. So the, the short-term prognosis for China still not great. But the, the, the longer term, medium term, a year, two years out, looking brighter. And, and so they'll still remain a major market of us of ours, uh, for all the usual things uh, for a while yet. And you touched on dairy. Well, the good news from overnight, the global dairy trade auction is up another four points, 4.4% to be exact. So that yeah, is good great. news. Yeah, indeed. And, and, you, and that will obviously impact business confidence for those uh, exposed to the agriculture sector. And, and let's hope that continues. Let's hope it doesn't uh, fall over again in the face of some of the Chinese lack of growth. Absolutely. Hey, Phil, great to catch up. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, BK. Phil O'Reilly, Iron Duke Partners. 90% of parenting is just thinking about when you can have a break. And when you do take a break, enjoy the Parenting Hangover podcast. They go together like a tutu and jandals. We've said from the get-go, we ain't parenting experts. No. But it's cool to hear, what is your neighbour doing? What do they say? A problem shared is a problem halved. Oh, that's good. Not that my children are problems, or a, but I feel better talking about it. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.